0: Take hey, friends. Good to be with you tonight. Um, what we're doing tonight, so we've been this series on the seven deadly sins. And tonight we're sort of doing, a, we're going to do our last one on gluttony in two weeks. But tonight I want to do a bit of a follow up. There's kind of two reasons for me. One is I had a student one time, um, this was years ago. But when one of our other students said, you know, how's it going with you? He said, it is not, you know, sometimes we sing it as well with my soul. It is not well with my soul. I was like, that is an honest answer. And what I want to do is think about, I don't know if you're like me, maybe this time of year has been exhausting. Maybe you feel like it is not well with your soul. Um, So partly, I just wanted to look at this passage, this invitation from Jesus, that things might be well with our soul. And the second part is a little bit of a follow-up if you were here last week when we were thinking about how does the gospel shape and change the way that we do politics. What I want to talk about tonight is kind of a part two. It's not about politics. So you can rest, take a deep, you know, you can exhale. But it is about what does it look like for us to live like like we talked about last week as citizens of heaven. And what I want to do tonight is what it means is we are those who keep our eyes fixed, And our souls stayed on Jesus. So what I want to do is read uh, our passage tonight from Matthew 11. If you've grown up in the church, you know this beautiful invitation from Jesus. Here it is. It's pretty short. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Here's what Jesus says to us, to you, to me, tonight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to talk about this passage for us a little bit together tonight. Let's pray first. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this invitation And Lord, I pray, I don't know where my friends here are. Lord, I thank you that you do. Lord, we thank you that you are the one you tell us in your word that we can come and cast our anxieties on you, our cares on you, because you care for us. And your love for us is not anxious. It is solid and stable and everlasting. So Lord, would you let us Those of us who have tasted and known your love, would you remind us and refresh us? For those of us, Lord, who maybe we're not quite sure what we think of you, would you show yourself tonight to us as beautiful and believable as the only one, the only God we've ever heard of that knows all our sins and shame and failures and yet moves toward us in rich, deep, strong, unshakable love. So would you meet us in these ways tonight, we pray. We pray these things for Christ in your name. Amen. So the way I want to do it, threefold, like we, like we do in RUF often, I want to first look at the invitation. Second, I want to look at the yoke. And then lastly, I want to look at the man who is saying these words. That's how we're doing it tonight. So let's first look for a second at this invitation that Jesus gives. And here's what I want you to see. It's pretty simple. Who is it that Jesus invites to come to him? And here's what I want you to see. It's not those who have their stuff together and are feeling pretty good about it. It's not those who seem effortless in their coolness and control and discipline. It's not those who have been near perfect this week in their spiritual disciplines. It's not those who've never done that. You know, we do that sometimes, at least I've never done that. It's not those, in other words, who are feeling pretty good about themselves that Jesus invites to come rest in him. Instead, and this should shock us, this invitation is for those who are overwhelmed. This invitation is for those who are exhausted by life and by themselves. This invitation is for those who feel the weight of their failures. This invitation is for those who know the sickness and twistedness of your own heart and thoughts and mind. I love the way that one commentator says it. He says it like this. Only a certain kind of person is invited by Jesus. Jesus invites those who are having a hard time of it. Those for whom life is hard work and who feel overwhelmed. Um, one of my RUF friends, his name is Richie Sessions. He's RUF campus minister at Vanderbilt. He always uses this illustration that I love. And he says, remember when you were in PE and you were doing pickup basketball? And you knew how it went. I don't know what your PE was like. We always did this in my little school's PE. We we typically, at certain times this time of year, would play a lot of pickup basketball. And the PE in my school, the, the coach, who was always like the weird football coach that made you uncomfortable, you know, in some ways. But he would appoint captains who were pretty competent. And then you know how it went. Like those captains would just be like, all right, what am I working with? So you would start with, if you've ever been the captain, you would start with, you know, your best players, the people you've seen that are, you know, pretty good or even decent at basketball. And then there would be like two or three kids left. And as a captain, you're like, please not him, not on my team. Please no. Like I had this friend his name is Big B, um, still a good friend, but he he was the guy that you just did want on your team. Because he was the guy who would like, it was amazing. Every single time he just couldn't dribble the ball. He, just, he would like run with the ball like it was a football. He'd be like, no, no, can't do that. That's not how this works. Sometimes he would score on the opposite side of the goal. And Richie Sessions, he says, you know, what he would call those kids is maybe you were that kid. He would say, that's a mercy pick. You know, you didn't want to be the mercy pick. You didn't want to be the kid who everyone was like, nope, not in my team. And then Richie likes to say, do you realize that to be a Christian we're all mercy picks. We're all those who don't add much to the team. We're all those who spiritually are double dribbling all over the place, scoring the wrong goals. We are all failures, and Jesus says, "If you feel that, come to me. If you don't feel that, you don't need me." You know, we sing it in R.F. Sometimes I love it when we sing, "Come ye sinners," and we sing, "The only fitness." Jesus requires is to feel your need of him, is to be in touch with your failures, to be in touch with your sins. Uh, I was thinking about it like this. So I, I've been married going on, let me do the math real quick, 17 years. So it'll be 17 years in December. And uh, we're about to go home to be with my mom and stepdad this weekend for my stepdad's 70th. And so I was thinking about the last one of the t- uh, times when we were engaged and we were working our wedding invitations. And by we, I mean my wife, Alyssa, <laughs> Because I was doing nothing. I mean I was very not helpful in, the, in our wedding. But I'll never forget being in, in the kitchen of, the, of my house in Sumter with my mom. And Alyssa and my mom were kind of working on these invitations. And it was the first uh, real almost married fight where my mom was dead set on, we have to get the full names of everyone we're inviting to the wedding. And my wife was like, no. She's like, I'm not from the South. I don't, I don't need their middle name and their, their suffix and their name. Like, no, I'm not doing that. My mom was like, oh yes, yes you are. And I ended up siding with my mom, which let me just a little bit of uh, early marriage advice was a mistake because um, it didn't go over well with Alyssa, my wife. But I was thinking about standing in that kitchen watching Alyssa address our invitations and thinking about, do you know who this invitation is addressed to? Do you feel overwhelmed by yourself? Do you feel the weight of your shame and sin? Do you feel like a mess? This invitation is for you and it's for me if we feel and know ourselves in that way. Jesus is saying, Come, come, ye messy, come, ye overwhelmed, come, ye anxious, come, ye who feel like life is falling apart at the seams, and find rest in me. I'm the Savior that you need. So, first invitation, but then second, The yoke, and this is where it gets a little bit strange for us culturally because this image is a bit strange. What is a yoke? To be more specific, I'm sure you've heard this before, but in Jesus' day, we're talking before, obviously, cars and tractors. There were oxen who would pull, who would be roped together by a yoke so they could pull this heavy load together. This yoke wasn't like a chain or a leash. It was meant, that was meant to bind and restrict and control and punish. This yoke was a way to bring together that a heavy load might be shared. Here's again the way that one guy says it. A yoke is a work instrument. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But listen what he says. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities, and it's with him. The reason, though, that we're often so tired and weary and over wearied and overwhelmed is we're yoked to the wrong things. We're looking to the wrong things to carry an impossible load. Think about it like this. Think about the yoke of perfectionism, where we carry the heavy load of having to be perfect in order to be worthy of love. Think about the yoke of approval, where we carry the heavy load of having to have an dang near everyone like us in order to feel loved. Think about the yoke of performance, where we carry the heavy load of having to have an impressive resume with enviable achievements in order to feel worthy of love. Think about the yoke of dating someone, where we carry the heavy load of having to have someone like us, having to have someone Be attracted to us and give us attention before we can feel love. Dean Martin used to always say it. Frank Sinatra's, you know, the Rat Pack guy, Dean Martin. You're nobody till somebody loves you, and that is a heavy yoke. Think about the yoke of lust and porn, where we carry the heavy load of shame, secretly believing this is the only place, the only way we can find love and acceptance. Think about the yoke of being fit where we track everything and we have to look a certain way and we carry the heavy load that says unless I look a certain way or unless I weigh a certain weight that I'll never be worthy of love. Think about the yoke of pleasing your parents or we think if they're ever disappointed in us, we're going to lose their love and therefore not be worthy of it. Think about the yoke of doing Christianity the right way. Or we have to cross the T's and dot the I's and do it exactly the way we've been taught to do it, being disciplined and sacrificial, checking all the boxes. And unless we do that, how could God love someone like us? And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying whatever the yoke you've been carrying, the one that's crushing you, take it off. It's okay. He's saying to us, I know that weight you've been carrying And I have a yoke for you that is so light and so easy that you're going to feel like an entirely new person. Jesus says his yoke is light, his burden is easy because he's already done the heavy lifting for us. He's already carried our shame to the cross. He's already carried the weight of what our sins deserve. And he's saying, come rest in my work. Come be easy in my love um it makes me think about i don't know what kind of music you're into but i'm pretty into this older band called the band which is the most creative name in, in rock music history but you know that if you know the band at all you or maybe if you even don't know the band you know the song the weight and here's how the weight goes i pulled into nazareth was feeling about half past dead i just need some place where i can lay my head hey mister can you tell me where a man might find a bed He just grinned and shook my hand. No was all he said. And then the chorus, take a load off Fanny. Take a load for free. I wish I could just get the band up here and just sing. Let's sing this thing. Take a load off Fanny. And you put the load right on me. You put the load right on me. And you see, this is what Jesus is saying. You bring your load and you put the load right on me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So much of the burden we carry, listen, so much of the burden we carry, the weight that's crushing us as we seek to do the Christian life for Jesus instead of with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, you can never do this apart from me. You could never do this apart from me. The, The offer of his yoke is the offer for Jesus to be with you always in the full weight of his patience and kindness and faithfulness and love in other words, it's not us saying, "Jesus, I've got this." It's Jesus saying, "I've got you. You put the load right on me." So we went. Uh, my family for the first time went, camp- went camping two weekends ago. And if you know me at all, you know I'm not a camping. We're not a camping family. We're just not a camping family. I usually say about myself, I'm an avid indoorsman. The outdoors are fine. You know, I need them. I need some sunshine. But camping is in some ways my worst nightmare. So we go with uh, Alyssa's sister and her family because the cousins, they have three kids that my friends are close to. And there's this one moment where we bring out the enos. I have had this eno for like three years that I've never used. And I finally got the straps and the carabiners kir- and learned how to like put it around trees. I'm pretty proud of myself, not gonna lie. But there was a moment where two, one of my kids and one of their kids was in this kind of kid's eno. And as they're kind of playing and it swinging it, it just falls from the trees. And uh, one of their little girls is just mortified. She go, runs into her tent. When her, when, the, when my sister in law goes to check on her, she's like, "Get out of here!" <laughs> she's like, "Are you, you know, are you hurt? Or are you, or are your, is your pride hurt?" She's like, "Get out!" And I'm like, I relate, <laughs> I relate to her. So in the course of that weekend, my brother-in-law, we're going into town and he goes and he's like, here's the deal is I've got to get a new carabiner. So I'm going to get a carabiner that's like ridiculously holds a, you know, holds a ridiculous amount of weight. So we ended up getting this one, I think that held at least a thousand or 2000 pounds. So this thing can never break and fall again. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking, do you know why the yoke of Jesus is easy? It's because his love is strong enough To hold the full weight of all of your failures, of all of your shame, of all of your sin, of all of your mess, and not even come close to budging. This is the yoke of Jesus. And the last thing I want you to see is the man who's saying these words, Jesus himself. And this is what I don't want you to miss. Please see this. Do you see what he says about himself? I am gentle and lowly of heart. If you went on campus tomorrow and you did like you, you were like, I'm going to go just talk to some random strangers, some random students on campus. I'm going to ask them one question. What do you think Jesus is like? They probably might say something like, he's a good man, an amazing teacher, seemed to really love the sick and the poor. Or let's say you were to go around churches in Colombia, asking that same question. Just say, you know, just, I'm going to show up at a church and just meet some strangers and ask that one question. What do you think Jesus is like? You probably get something like, he died for me. He loves me. He paid the price for my sins. He saved my life. But I would put pretty good money, either on campus or even in the churches in Colombia, that no one would say, if you ask that question, what is Jesus like? They would say he is gentle and lowly of heart. He is gentle. This means his kindness to you is big. It means his patience with you is inexhaustible. It means his eyes toward you are full of joy. It means his mouth toward you is full of laughter. It means his hands are warm in their touch. It means his arms are ever ready to hold you, his tears ready to flow at the hardest parts of your story. His delight in you is palpable. He is gentle. And his gentleness is not weakness, it's his strength. And his gentle strength is reserved only for those who know themselves to be so weak. You've probably heard me say this before, I've always loved this scene. It's in C.S. Lewis's Narnia books. It's the scene in uh, The Magician's Nephew with Diggory. And if you know that story, Diggory is just longing for Aslan to come and stop his his mom from dying. Toward the end of that book, Aslan shows up at his mom's deathbed and the way that Lewis writes, it's beautiful. He says, Diggory, in that moment, as Aslan is there in the midst of his, the greatest suffering of his life. And Aslan's there. And it says in this beautiful line that so far, Diggory had been looking at Aslan's great paws, But then he says, wonder of wonders, I looked up in the lion's face. And what I saw surprised me more than anything, because in his eyes were great shining tears. It was as if he were sorrier about my mother's death. Than I was. And in that beautiful image is the image of the gentleness of Jesus, especially in our places of hurt and suffering. But he's also lowly of heart. In other words, Jesus is not proud or haughty or arrogant, but instead is the most approachable person that we could ever meet. He not only has a heart for the downtrodden, for the outcast, for the poor, but for those of us who've known injustice and pain and suffering, he not only has a heart for the struggling but he's in complete solidarity with us. We can go to Jesus and trust that he's not waiting to scold us or shame us out of our sins, but instead to gently and patiently with great kindness, love us out of our sins Um, It's interesting at one point later in Matthew, part of the contrast throughout all of the gospels, but especially in Matthew, there's one point later in Matthew where Jesus is rebuking the religious leaders. And he says of them, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. And how different Jesus is. Jesus, who literally moved heaven and earth To bear the full load of your sin and shame. That he came not bringing judgment, the list of all your wrongs, but instead he came to bear that judgment in your place. I love this idea that Jesus didn't come. He's not the kind of savior who loves to put you in your place. But instead, he's the kind of savior who put himself in your place. He is gentle and lowly of heart. Um, this week, my wife introduced me to a song by Waterdeep. They had, apparently had this play telling the story of Joseph and Mary and the way Jesus was born into this world. And there's this beautiful song that is called, Why Does God Look Like Me? And here's how they, here's what they say. Why does God have to look so human? Why so of the earth and so not from above? He was supposed to look like justice and instead he looks like Love. I see the dangers he'll be called. This is Mary singing. I see the dangers he'll be called to face. It makes me wonder how deliverance could come from such a fragile place. He was supposed to look like lightning, and instead he looks like his mother. I guess I thought he'd be half made of God and only half made up of stuff like you and me, but he's so much baby. The other part is hard to see. He was supposed to look like victory, but here he is sleeping so peacefully. And he doesn't look like power. Oh no, instead he looks like me. This is the beauty of Jesus coming into our world, coming to bear the judgment that you and I deserve. He is gentle and lowly of heart. Uh, I love. The, I'll close with this. I love. We sang tonight. Oh, love that will not let me go. And I love the story of that song. And maybe you've heard me tell it before. But George Matheson was in Glasgow, Scotland. And the way he wrote the song is pretty amazing. He was like a a young, engaged, about to start his PhD in Scotland. And he suddenly went to the doctor he was having some eye issues. And the doctor sat him down and said, you're going to go blind. You're going blind. And as he was trying to process this news and as he actually broke this news to his fiance, his fiance was like, I can't do this anymore. And she left him. The night he wrote the song, one of his siblings was getting married, but because they didn't, they were traveling a couple hours away, but they left George at home because they didn't know how to help him navigate his blindness. And so George Matheson, as he wrote that song we sang earlier, a love that will not let me go. He's alone, he's gone blind. His fiance has left him. In that moment, his family has left him. But there was one who he was yoked to. Jesus, and he said, this was the quickest song I ever wrote. I penned it in less than an hour because the love of Jesus to me that night was even though, here's what he would say, even though everyone else let me go, I was yoked to Jesus. And Jesus will never, 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 ever, ever let you or let me go. Let's pray together. Our Lord, would you put us in touch uh, with your kindness? Would you put us in touch with your grace to us? We long for it. We need it. We are helpless without it. Lord, I pray that those of us who find ourselves exhausted and overwhelmed, would you meet us tonight? Would you let us come to you? Let us give our burdens to you, knowing that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our doxology.